Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 to 3 is the basis of this particular teaching called prophetic prayers. Praying prophetically. Praying prophetically. Praying prophetically. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 to 3. In the first year of Darius the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he will accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So what my response? Verse 3, I set my face towards the Lord God to make a request by prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive it with thanksgiving. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm speaking on the topic, praying prophetically. Praying prophetically. What does it mean to pray prophetically? We have prayers that is supplication. We have intercession. We have prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of gratitude. We have prayers of warfare. So which one is praying prophetically? What does that mean? Well, praying prophetically means making declarations based on the scripture into your future. Praying prophetically means making bold declarations based on the scriptures into your future. You make bold declarations based on the scriptures into your future. That is what it means to pray prophetically. Why is it important? What are the benefits? Now, so before I get into that, let's look at the, the story we just read. Daniel chapter 9 verse 1 to 3. It's a very powerful and beautiful story. Daniel was doing his regular devotion. Somebody say regular devotion. Was doing his regular devotion. And while he was doing his regular devotion, he got to the point whereby he saw what Jeremiah wrote, the prophet wrote, about the future of Israel. And that God was, they were going to go away from the land for 70 years only. And he saw that the 70 years were about to be accomplished. So Daniel said, I responded to what I saw in the scripture and I started praying it into the future of the Jews. And when he did that, the answer of what happened was recorded in Ezra. Ezra, not Esther. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. And this is what it says. In Ezra chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says that um, Cyrus the king, that the word of the Lord, which he spoke by the mouth of Jeremiah, might be fulfilled. The Lord steered up the heart or the spirit of the king Cyrus. And he made a declaration. So when Daniel started praying and started praying, God answered that prayer and stirred up the heart of a king that was holding the children of Israel in captivity and he made a declaration that they can go free. So the declaration, the executive order that the king Cyrus, he was made to sign that because Daniel was praying and declaring prophetically into the future. Listen to me. There are many things that need to happen in your life that people need, to, people need to act on. Certain things that will favor you, that will move you forward in destiny and so on and so forth. 
right now that some of them they cannot act on. Though God has promised you, until you start speaking the scriptures boldly into your future. Now, let me say this to you. If you want to talk about prayer, and you want to broadly classify prayer into two or three, into three classes. If you're going to broadly speaking, broadly speaking, classify prayer into three classes. The first class will be prayer that has to do with communication with God. So things like intercession, supplication, petition, um, things like prayers of gratitude, and every type of prayer in that category that has to do with you talking to God falls in that line, communicating with God. The second type of class, then, will be prayers that has to do with warfare. This is when you confront the enemy. Confront the enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. Submit unto God and resist the devil. And what will be the outcome? Are you with me this afternoon? He will flee from you. So when we confront the enemy, that's the second category. The third category is what I'm speaking about right now. This is when you are not praying to God, necessarily. You are not confronting the enemy, demonic spirits and demonic entities. You are confronting the situation. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus Christ spoke about these three types of prayer. He spoke about praying to God in Luke chapter 11. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, that's the first line. That's praying to God. That's the first category. Every other thing, there only matters because it's connected to our Father. The second type of category, this is in Luke 11, chapter 1, downwards. The second type of prayer Jesus spoke about is in Luke chapter 12. When he spoke about um, Luke 11, actually, let me look at it. Luke 11, I believe it's verse 21. When he spoke about warfare, and it says that it talks about the strong man. Let's, let's just cross-check and, and just, just make sure. Luke 11. In Luke chapter 11, verse 21 and 22, Jesus said, when a strong man is fully armed and his guards in his own palace, his good are in peace until he's stronger than he comes and overcomes him. So in Luke chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4, he speaks about the first category of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4, the first category. Luke chapter 11, verse 21 and 22, the second category, which is warfare. Then in Mark 11, verse 23, the third category, which is bold declaration over the issues. It says, whoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed. So you're not speaking to God. God is not the mountain. You're not speaking to demonic entities. They are not mountains. You're speaking to this mountain. That is the situation. And say, be thou removed, and you will not doubt in your heart. You will have whatsoever you say. That is when you speak to the issue. Remember, Jesus prayed to God at the grave of, grave of Lazarus. Is that all right? When he was about to feed the 5,000, he prayed to God. When he, was, he saw the demon harassing the little boy, he rebuked the demon. Am I correct about this? Okay, so he rebuked demons. When he got to uh, the, the, the fig tree, he also cursed the fig tree. You see the three dimensions of prayer. If you and I are going to be successful as Christians, we've got to follow what Jesus did. There will be times in our lives when we will pray to God. There will be times in our lives when we will confront the enemy. And there will be times when we will confront, come on, the situation. So then, so let's go back to confronting the situation. When we confront the situation, or we're about to confront the situation, go back please to Daniel chapter 9. The first thing we have to do 
before we start speaking the scriptures boldly. Because somebody will say, well, I've been doing this and it doesn't work. No, it works. It works because there are some prerequisites that you have not followed. And I want to show you those prerequisites right now. There are some prerequisites. So let's go back into Daniel chapter 9. Let me show you the first key prerequisite. This is the key. This is the master prerequisite. For you to be able to stand and speak boldly over your situation. This is the master prerequisite. Look at it. It's in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was the next word there, understood. That's it. That's the first prerequisite. You need to understand it before you declare it. If you don't understand that scripture, you cannot declare it with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you see, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. For in it, in it, in it, we have revelation from faith to faith. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So uh, lack of understanding, which means ignorance, will not allow you and I to be able to boldly speak. So you take the scripture. Before, sometimes we start speaking about a certain issue, say concerning our children or concerning our finances or concerning our careers, our future. We've got to take the scriptures over an, an extended period of time. Think through the scriptures. Understand the scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You understand it. So you say to yourself, what does this really mean? Joshua 3.5. That is how I meditated on it. He says, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders. So who was Joshua speaking to? When he says wonders, what, did, what does that mean, wonders? Who was he speaking to? Well, he was speaking to people that were seemingly weak and seemingly helpless. They were going to confront organized armies to take over cities that God has promised them. So I look at it and say, okay, so what has God promised me about my life? I see promises in the scripture. Your city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Whatever you lay hand, your hands on shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I see all of this promise and I'm thinking to myself, all right, but seemingly it looks like I'm weak. I can't achieve that. He says, you will eat in plenty and be satisfied. I'm going to speak it to this man. He said, you will eat in plenty and be satisfied. And he said, after you've done that, he said, then you are going to praise, you know, you're going to praise the name of the Lord who has dealt wondrously. That's the type of praise that, that comes out of your belly when you have eaten. And in plenty. This is what scripture says. It says, you will eat. You see, there is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Don't be used to that one only. Many Christians like that. And it's good. When we praise God, irrespective of our situation, that's sacrifice of, of thanksgiving. That's good. But after you've done that, you should also trust God to be able to praise God when you've eaten. When God has dealt wondrously with you. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 is in your Bible. You see, this is the type that is just spontaneous. You're just driving. Just lift up your hands. When the cool breeze blows to you from the car, <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? You just lift up your hands and say, oh God, I'm very, very grateful. Your son that is in the back of the car or your daughter that is sitting beside you say, oh daddy, are you okay? <laughs> You're praising God. Unchangeable God. Why? Because you've seen that God has been good to you. So you, under, you meditate. You understand it. If God says, go in and possess the land, what is he saying? Which land am I possessing? Once you understand it, that's the key. Then you start making the declarations. It is when you understand it that you will not doubt in your heart. Until you understand it, listen to me, you will doubt in your heart. You will. 
So you will speak to the mountain and you'll be thinking, it's not moving. It's not moving. Because, because once Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he didn't check it out. He just moved on. The following day when he saw it, he didn't even check it. It was the disciples that said, Master, Master, the fig tree which you spoke to yesterday, that means they were doubting because they didn't understand it. They said, oh, man, is withered from the root. Jesus said, what is that? Jesus said, have faith in God. You will say to this mountain, in other words, whatever you've seen me do, you can do the same. The Bible says Jesus spoke to the waters, the sea, and said, peace be still. The Bible says there was a great calm. You know what the disciples did? The Bible said they said, they were afraid of it. They said, what manner of man is this? So you need to understand it. Once you understand it, you're able to speak. So, for example, the Bible says the path of the righteous is like the shining light. And it shines, speak to me now. So as I meditated on it, I realized that how come then many Christians, their path is not shining? Because it seems to me that it says the path of the righteous. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then I realized that the Bible says the path of the righteous, not a path. There is depart. Because Proverbs 19.21 says that there are many plans in the heart of a man, but only the counsel of God shall stand. That is what is called depart. The path that God has set for you is the counsel of God. God's perfect will for your life. That is the only one that is guaranteed to shine brighter and brighter. Any other path you take, that scripture will not work. So because I understand it, when I know I'm standing in the perfect will of God, then I am guaranteed that my path it has to shine brighter and brighter. So I can make a bold declaration. Are you following? Second thing we have to do, prerequisite, is that your conduct must be without covetousness. In other words, the reason why you are confessing the scripture is not because you're competing with somebody or you want to outsmart somebody or cheat somebody out of what belongs to them. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself have said... I will never leave you, come on now, nor forsake you. What am I supposed to do with that scripture? So that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. I love that scripture. So let your conduct be without covetousness. Why do you want to increase? Check your motive. Check your motive. Why do you want to command the mountain to move? So that people can know you're powerful? Why do you want to speak to that thing? So that people can know that you're powerful. You see, we have to understand something about the scriptures. I'm, I'm, and I, I know that you're very strong people. So you can understand this. Some of the things we're teaching in this last, in this, um, last couple of weeks, they're deep stuff you don't hear in the regular church. Teaching about seeking the face of God. You hardly hear that anymore. But you guys are deep people. You're strong people. So you can handle that. Listen. There is something in scripture, in theology, that is called being Christocentric. It's not a difficult word to understand. Christocentric is a combination of two words, Christ and center. Christ and center. It means that Christ must be the, in the center of it. So if I'm going around right now, <laughs> and I just see something happening, and I just command the mountain to move, people are going to come around and clap for me. Christ is not involved. He is not the center of that action. As long as Christ will not be the center of the action, if it's not going to be Christocentric, then it will not work. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Once it will not be Christocentric, that is why Christianity and, and having signs and wonders in Christianity is not magic. Magic, the magician is the center of the show. In a miracle service, Jesus is the center of the show. Wherever man or woman is conducting the service, they are at most a vessel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Yeah, valuable vessel. Don't get me wrong, but they're vessels. We must always point back to Jesus Christ. We must appreciate the vessel, treat the vessel very well, but you must always go back to Jesus Christ. That is when it must be Christocentric. Christocentric. That is why you can't just say, well, the pastor taught us to confess things. Then you can get to him and say, pot. Instead of you moving your pot from, one, from the kitchen to another place. Pot, I command you, move. Chair, move. Table, move. Car, garage. You're a magician. You're not a Christian. <laughs> there is nothing that glorifies God in all of that. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Okay. So once you understand that, let your conduct be without covetousness. Number three, it must be Christocentric. We've spoken about understood. No covetousness. It must be Christocentric. Those are the prerequisites. So what are the benefits? Let me give you seven benefits, and we're going to pray prophetically. Are you ready for this? Seven benefits. Number one, when we pray prophetically, it creates a desired future. If you're writing down, please underline the word create. Create. The word create in the Bible, it is the word to bring something out of nothing. To bring something out of what? Nothing. The word make in the Bible is to bring something out of something. So, when you are praying prophetically, it is not making a better future. It is what? Creating a better future. In other words, even if that thing does not exist, it's creating it for you. It's putting things in place for you that do not exist. See? It's creating a better future for you. So, and we're going to to practice one or two here now. When you begin to say this now, I will not die but live. Now, there are certain things that probably right now, the way your body is, normally you should have progressed to death. But because you are saying something into your future, it's creating new body parts for you. Because you are making a declaration that you will not die, but live. You are using the scripture to create your future. Are you still with me? Creates a desired future. Number two benefit is that it sets up an appointment. Write it down. Very powerful. When you pray prophetically, an appointment is set. You have to understand that according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, to everything, to how many things? To everything there is a season. And a time for every purpose under the heaven. A time for every purpose. So when you begin to pray prophetically, you're setting up an appointment. You're setting up an appointment. So what happens is that you're forgotten. Two years down the road, you're forgotten completely. You even pray prophetically. Then you walk into a place, you meet with somebody or somebody remembers you, sends you a, a, a seemingly insignificant email and a lead that seemingly looks very, very small or leading nowhere. You follow the lead and a major breakthrough happens. And you say to yourself, you know, I wasn't even praying. No, 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 no. There is nothing that happens here on the earth that somebody somewhere had not gotten in touch with heaven. So you had forgotten. You did pray. Or somebody prayed on your behalf. Set up the appointment on your behalf, but you had forgotten. There are many times that, had, that appointments are set on my behalf in church. I did not even see the appointment. I come and somebody says, I have an appointment with the pastor. And they come, they tell me in the morning, they've set up the appointment on my behalf. So you can set up appointments on, on behalf of your children. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying now? You set up appointments on behalf of your children. Ten years from today, 15 years from today, when your children grow up, and in 15 years, they just meet with goodness. They meet with favor. They just enter some breakthroughs. They go through some doors. 
What has happened is that you set up the appointment for them. Every Christian, and I'm going to show you this, listen very carefully. Every Christian, sir, must set an appointment for their children. Don't leave any one of your children out of it. Jacob, in the very last act on this earth, Genesis 49, I studied it very well. I understood it. No covetousness, and it is Christocentric. And we're going to do it here today. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 1 to 2, he called all of his children together. And he said, let me tell you what will befall you in the last days. How did he know? And he set up an appointment for every one of them. For Reuben, he set up an appointment for him. Unfortunately, it was a bad appointment, but he did set it up. And it happened. He set it up for Simeon, then he called Levi. Then he called Joseph. He set up the appointment. He set up an appointment. He said to Judah, he said, Judah, you are the ones that your, your brothers, they will praise. He said, until Shiloh comes, the scepter will never depart from Judah. Look at that. He set up the appointment. And the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. Genesis, read it, 49, 33. Open your Bible to it. Genesis 49, 33. The last verse in Genesis 49. This is when Jacob died. Look at what he did, how he died. Genesis 49, 33. Is that not the last verse in your Bible? You're not there yet. Genesis 49, 33. Yeah, that's the last verse in Genesis 49. And he said, when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, you see the word commanding there? He drew his feet into his bed, and what did he do? He breathed his last, and he was gathered to his people. That's it. That's the last thing he did. He's, he, he set up all this appointment, and he said, see you guys. Took his feet, put it on the bed, and he joined his people upstairs. And appointments has been set for all the children. You got to set up appointments for your children. Don't leave your children to chances. They, they get out of the university, and they're not looking for a job. It's your fault. It's your fault that your children are Christian and you saw when your children entered the university and now they are out and they're looking for a job. That's your fault. You should have set up the appointment for a job before they come out. Are you, are, you, are you listening to me? You set up the appointment. You're a Christian. That's why you come to church. I set, I set up appointments all the time. Particularly when you're traveling. You're here now, you're traveling to a different city. You've got to set up the appointment for yourself in that city. Look at how Jesus Christ did all of these things. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And I've set up an appointment there. The Son of Man will be betrayed. You see, he set up the appointment. He said, he will be betrayed. And also, don't, don't worry, guys. There's another appointment. On the, if you open your diary to the second page, you will also rise on the third day. <laughs> then he said to them, he said, go and wait for me in Galilee. I'll meet you there. <laughs> now, he has not even gotten to Jerusalem. He's not been betrayed. He's not been crucified. He's not risen from the dead. And he set up an appointment for Galilee. <laughs> did he meet them in Galilee or not? He did. That's all you do. You set up the appointment. So you're traveling now. You set up the appointment. You set up the appointment. You're going, you're traveling to, 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 to different parts of the world. Don't just go there and you get there, your, your wife calls you and you say, honey, he's not, I don't know what's going on here. No, 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 no. You don't know what's going on because you left it to chances. You set up the appointment before you leave your house. It looks like you're already you're ready now to pray prophetically. <laughs> okay, let me just go through the other ones quickly. At least you can for, for teaching purposes. Number three is that when the benefit of praying prophetically is that it induces faith in you. It inspires faith or induces actually is the key word. It bets faith in you. Number four, quickly, it silences the voice of the opposition. When you pray prophetically, it silences the voice of the opposition. Shh. 
scorched. I've already set up an appointment. I came to you and I told you, mark it down. Mark it down. 2025. 31st of December. How many of you are going to be in that service? Come on, come on, come on. Open Heavens 2025. Hallelujah. Rogers Theater, 53,000 people. And we're getting a place for more people that are in the overflow. People are coming from all over the world, from everywhere to be part of that unique service. When is this appointment now? 25. On which day? On which day? December 31st. That's it. So we've set up an appointment. It means that all of you, not one of you will die before that day. That is the way you set up an appointment. You're looking forward to it. You set up the appointment. Set up the appointment. You've got to set up an appointment. I saw that because I was reading the scripture and I saw something. A revelation from the scripture. And I started declaring it. You set up an appointment. Then it silences the voice of the opposition. The opposition now knows that, wow, this thing is going to happen. Because the angels are moving. Which leads me to the next thing. Number five. Write this down clearly. When you pray prophetically, you release angels. Psalm 103, verse 20. Psalm 103 from verse 20. When you pray prophetically, you release three things. Number one, you release angels. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you who excel in strength, who do his word. Hidden, hidden, or acting on the voice of his word. The voice of his word. So you give voice to his word, and the angels will be released to do that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister? Not minister to? Not minister with? Not minister against, but to minister for those that will inherit salvation. The minister for. The word minister for is the word this to serve. So the angels are waiting on you to get instructions. So now that we've set up this apartment, they're, they're working, they have something to work on now. So all the people, all the 53,000 people and the ones that will be in the overflow, they're working on them now. Some, some are not yet born. Some are not yet ever thought of coming to Canada. They have to work on their business for them. Are you, hearing, are you hearing what I'm saying now? They're working on them now. Somebody somewhere, then they have to steer them up. They have to get them. You, you must move to Canada because there's somebody that has set up an appointment for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Setting up the appointment. There's somebody before that perhaps the enemy has written that they will die and set up a premature death appointment for them. This new appointment now has canceled that one. See, the husband you don't have yet, the child you don't yet have. You see, this new appointment that is pulling them in because you must be in that service with your children, grandchildren, and so on and so forth. Say amen, please. Now, some of you that were facing challenges with the authorities of this country in the area of immigration because you, ha- you have to be in that, in that service by 2025. Then whatever needs to be done for you to have the legal capacity to stay in this country till then and beyond then, angels are moving on your behalf right now. Every time we pray prophetically, we release angels. Number six, what, we, what happens again, benefit of praying prophetically? Number six, we release people. <laughs> Number five, sir, we release angels. Number six, we release people. There are people that are waiting for you to pray prophetically so they can be released. Some people right now, you are the one stopping them. You are stopping them. They want to be released, but you are not praying prophetically. When you pray prophetically, (laughs) people get released. People get released. Let me say something to you. 
In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, Ben-Hadad, he besieged Syria, the Bible says, until there was a great famine. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, Ben-Hadad, he besieged Syria with all of his army until there was a great famine. The king, they went to Elisha the prophet. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord by this time tomorrow. Oh God. I, I, I'm praying you understand it now. The prophet said, by this time tomorrow, what was he doing? He was setting up an appointment for tomorrow. He said there will be surplus. And that's why he left it. Guess what happens? The Bible says four lepers. That prophetic word, the lepers looked at themselves and said, what are we doing here? If we stay here, we die. If we go there, we die. Let's go to the place and surrender to the Syrians. If they save us, they save us. You see, they weren't moving by faith. He was the prophetic word that was released inside the house of Elisha that was moving the lepers in the city. You need to release some things in this place that this week people will move on your behalf. Everybody that needs to make a decision concerning you by what you release here today, they will move on your behalf. The lepers were sitting down, but the prophetic word of Elisha started moving them. There's somebody, listen to me, that is so purpose is to facilitate something in your destiny. But you have not yet released them. I'm about to release you today. You are about to release them. There's somebody that is yet to give birth to a child. I saw this revelation. Give birth to a child. As we pray and pray prophetically today, the child will be, your womb will release a child for you. Let me just finally tell you the last one. So not only do we release angels, when we pray prophetically, what are the benefits? Number one, it creates a desired future. Number two, it sets up an appointment. Number three, it induces faith in us. Number four, silences the voice of the opposition. Number five, releases angels. Number six, and number seven, it releases power. When we pray prophetically, power is unleashed. Power is unleashed to accomplish what we want to do. Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, Father, I thank you. Prayer of gratitude. Because you always hear me, whatever I ask of you, acknowledging the prayer of petition and supplication that has been prayed before. And I know that you hear me, but for the sake of these people, I'm saying this. All of that has been said, but nothing has happened. Then he faced the grave and said, remove the stone. They removed the stone. And he looked into the grave and looked into the, somebody in the grave. The grave was dark. And you can't see clearly into the grave. And this man has been there for this. All his senses was telling him was that Lazarus was dead because he could smell. The stench was coming out. But power was about to be released. The Bible says in John chapter 11, from verse 42 to 44, the Bible says Jesus looked straight into the place and with a loud voice. And said, Lazarus, come forth. Three words. And I like the way the Bible says. The Bible says, he who was dead. I like it. He was dead. Not he who is dead. Because that power, listen to me, what you need to understand about the power of God. The power of God changes the tenses of man. Listen. The power of God. What I want to show you there, because you've had so many sermons on this journey level. But what I want to show you there is that the power of God, it changes the tenses. He is dead. That's what Lazarus Lazarus is dead. That's what they told him. Lazarus is, even Jesus said, he said, Lazarus is dead. Well, I'm glad that I was not there. 
he's dead. But immediately he released the power. He's changed to worse. They might look at you today and say, you are poor. But immediately power is released. You were poor. It's not well, you know, it's near the past tense now. It is the power of God that converts it. When they look at you, they say, oh, that, brother, that brother is sick, oh, the brother is very sick. No, no, no. Once the power is released, you are no longer, you are not, you are not sick now. You used to be, come and speak to me now. You used to be sick. When somebody look at you and think that you're a loser, no, 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 you're not a loser. You, you might, you, you used to lose, you used to be defeated, but now you're a winner. So the Bible says, he who was dead, oh, I like this now. Listen to me. Listen to me. It has never happened before on the earth. Never. Happened before. That somebody that has been wrapped completely will jump out of the grave. Up to that point, everybody Jesus raised from the grave. They were not buried. Darius' daughter was in the house. The widow of Nain, Luke chapter 7, they were on the way to the graveyard. Jesus touched the coffin and said, arise. This time, this boy jumped out of the grave. The Bible said he was wrapped. He was even covered with the eyes. And he did not miss his way. <laughs> he jumped and jumped and jumped and met with Jesus. The boy is thinking to himself, lose me now. So Jesus said, lose him. <laughs> Jesus said, lose him. Because the boy was telling them, I'm no longer dead. Can't you see me? Can't you see that I'm not dead? Listen to me. They thought you were poor, but you used to be poor. They thought you were sick, but you used to be sick. They thought you would not get married, but that's not your portion. They thought you would be put to shame, but that's not your portion. They thought that they would not approve that thing, but that is not your portion. That might be where you used to be. That is not where you are. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.